Well, in this case, white just ain't right. And our white Jesus represents a myriad of prejudices lodged deeply in the American Christian mindset. And so we're just going to talk about that. Today comes right from the scriptures, or part of this does, from Galatians chapter 2. And today, uh, I'm sure I will be misunderstood by some, misquoted by others. Some of you are going to have a great time on social media after this. But I'm going to have a good time, and we're going to talk about what the Scripture says about prejudice. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for bringing us to this place and this time. Open our minds and soften our hearts. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, the most widely represented rendering of Jesus' appearance comes from Warner Salma's Head of Christ, uh, from, or Picture of Christ, from 1941. And Salman's White Jesus has global recognition. It has been reproduced over 500 million times. I grew up with a picture like this on my grandmother's wall. And but the, but the best hypothesis about Jesus' physical appearance is not anything like this. In this case, white ain't, it's not right. Josephus, who was a first century historian and several other historians, suggests something very different about how Jesus looked. Jesus was probably very short. We have records of this. Some even say as short as five feet one. Hunchback, long nose with an undeveloped beard. <clears throat> His hair was short and curly. His skin was malacrous, which means very dark, maybe close to black. His general appearance caused some to say, you're not even 50 years old. When that was said, he was only 30 years of age. He looked old. Jesus didn't look anything like the white, long-flowing, brown-haired, blue-eyed, six-foot-four, Nordic Calvin Klein model in Salma's painting. So here's what I got to say to you today. Come on, man. <laughs> we can understand something different, more accurate than that. Now, the truth is, while misconceptions about Jesus being white are just uninformed, and they're kind of harmless. It does, however, highlight certain inbred prejudices that are not harmless. Ways that we've always thought, how we've always behaved, what we've always believed, traditions we've always embraced, rules we've always kept, who we have always excluded. Jesus wasn't white, and our prejudices are not right. Gabe Lyons writes in the, his research, Unchristian, in studying thousands of outsiders' impressions, it's clear that Christians are primarily perceived for what they stand against. We have become famous for what we oppose rather than who we are for. I wanna to suggest to you that that's how people view the church, and this reflects prejudice and wrong thinking. Our white Jesus prejudices run deep 
and they do damage. Christians are notorious for politicizing issues. I mean, if you're not a Republican, you're not a Christian, or if you're not a Democrat, you don't care about social issues. That's kind of white Jesus thinking. Followers of Christ often stiff-arm those with different views. That's white Jesus thinking. Church folk are uncomfortable with people who have sin problems, like we don't have enough of our own. I know you do, because a bunch of you come by the office every week and you have incredible stories. Christians believe they're responsible for the moral climate of the nation. Nowhere, nowhere in Scripture is the church told to be the moral compass of a nation. Did you know that? Idiot pastors, did I just say that? Like Arizona's faithful word, Baptist Church Pastor Stephen Anderson, when commenting on the recent shooting in Orlando nightclub that murdered 50 people, preached, homosexuals are a bunch of disgusting perverts. People who are supposed to love Jesus sometimes hate others. Come on, man. Jesus ain't white, and our prejudices, if you have them, they ain't right. And city church has to be different. We got to get this right. Well, the question then is, what is right? Well, the answer is rooted in Scripture. And it's clarified in Galatians chapter 2, where the Apostle Paul and Peter, two kind of giants of the faith, engaged in a very intense confrontation. So, to understand this, you got to get a little bit of the backstory. So, will you stay with me for a moment? Here we go. Here's the backstory. When the church was first established, sometime around 25 or 30 AD, it was primarily a Jewish community. And the Jews had their own version of traditional thinking, or what we would call today white Jesus, what I'm calling today white Jesus thinking, and prejudice. They had always thought a certain kind of way. If you didn't keep all 613 religious laws, you were shunned. That was prejudice. If you were not circumcised, you were considered a dog. That's prejudice. If you were not Jewish, you were viewed as inferior. If you transgressed Jewish tradition, you could be excommunicated. If you were diseased or disabled, this is interesting. If you were diseased or disabled, it was considered God's judgment against you. If you violated temple protocol, you could actually be imprisoned, beaten, or in extreme cases, you could be stoned to death. Prejudice even related to food, certain things you could and could not eat. Prejudices were rampant, they ran deep, and they did serious damage, and God was having none of it. So when the church first started, God did something about it. Well, here's what he did. So... God singled out a Jewish man named Peter. Of course, one of the uh, men of faith that I just mentioned. And he's the most visible and the most vocal of all the disciples, followers of Christ. And he singled Peter out to combat prejudice. Well, one day while Peter was about to eat lunch, he fell into this trance and he dreamed of this large white sheet let down out of heaven with all sorts of animals uh, in it, including pork that they traditionally would, the Jews would not eat. Then a voice said to Peter, kill and eat. And Peter said, 
Acts 10, verse 14, no, Lord, Peter declared, I've never eaten anything that our Jewish laws have declared impure or unclean. But the voice spoke again, do not call something unclean if God has made it clean. And the vision was repeated three times. And this was God's way of showing Peter that the Gentiles, the very people, at least some of them, that the Jews hated that the Gentiles were loved by God and invited to be part of Christ's church. And God wanted Peter, the most visible and vocal of the followers of Christ, to get that from the very beginning of the church. Prejudices would have to be overcome. Peter had them. Peter would have to be different. All the Jewish disciples would have to get this right. So from that day forward, Peter changed. And he set aside his prejudices and he did the unthinkable for Jews. It's really interesting, but this is a big deal in this culture. He began to share meals with the Gentiles. Like he would go to lunch and they would share, eat together. And he would welcome the Gentiles as part of Christ's church and it was all good, it was going very well until, and we pick up the story in Galatians chapter two. When Paul first arrived, uh, when Peter first arrived, he ate with the Gentile believers, we just talked about that, who were not circumcised. But afterward, when some friends of James came, James was a Jew, he was the pastor in Jerusalem. Peter would not eat with the Gentiles anymore. He was afraid of criticism from these people who insisted on the necessity of circumcision. As a result, other Jewish believers followed Peter's hypocrisy. And even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. You know what happened to Peter? He had a white Jesus moment. He refused to eat with the Gentiles, reverting back to Jewish prejudices. He was more afraid of being excluded by his Jewish peers than included by his new Jewish friends. Scripture says he wouldn't eat with the Gentile believers anymore. Now, actually, there are two words in the Greek language that give us a really vivid picture as to why Paul was so upset with Peter about this. Hypostello is the first Greek word. It means to stand against. Literally, it's a compound word that means against and to stand. Stand against. It's as if you are picketing. Peter is now picketing the very people he was just having lunch with. But in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul would often stack words together. When he would do that, it would mean he's adding emphasis. There's another word in here, apohorizo, it's a word picture for making a boundary. So that Peter was saying, not only am I picketing you, I am now setting a boundary. You are not to cross this line. It was his way, Peter's way, of stiff-arming the Gentiles, and it was rooted in Jewish prejudice. And I think it's what churches do today. 
stand against, picket, and mark off religious territory so we can stiff arm those who think and behave differently. People remain comfortable when their prejudices remain intact. I'll never forget, there's this pastor who uh, spent some time, we have a lot of pastors who come and spend time with us here and they try to learn and gain insight or whatever that it is and this one guy, uh, when he was leaving, he says to me, he says, man, you guys actually like irreligious, messed up, like sinful people, like you like those people. (laughs) I wanted to say, you are one of them. (laughs) And I don't like you. Anyway, why would someone make such a comment? It's because typically churches default to shunning anyone that makes them uncomfortable. It's unusual for a church to be open to people that think differently. It's why Paul was so upset with Peter. It's why I am so upset. This kind of prejudice is white Jesus thinking it ain't right. It shuns the very people we are here to serve. So what do we do about it? Well, here's what Paul did, verse 11. He said, I had to oppose Peter to his face for what he did was very wrong. Here's something interesting. You know the word face right there? It's this big compound word, but the root of it is the word opt, or where we get our word optics. (laughs) In other words, Paul said, I stood eye to eye with Peter. I got in his face, not just stood face to face, I got in his face. And what did he do? He opposed him. This is so interesting. The same root word God, uh, Paul used earlier about Peter when he picketed the Gentiles out of prejudice, that word hapostello, to stand against a picket, and he was complaining that that's what Peter was doing. That is the same word Paul used here to say, you picketed the Gentiles out of prejudice, now I am picketing you out of righteousness. Paul demanded that Peter reformat his brain to think without prejudice. It was a 180 degree difference. So I'm gonna suggest that we as churches, ours included, sometimes we need to reformat the mental hard drive in our brain that stubbornly supports our own prejudice. Instead of judging sin, how about let's leave judging sin up to God and love the sinner? Let's reformat. Yeah, yeah, I, I know what some of you are thinking. You're thinking, that's just liberal teaching. No, it's not. It's what God tells the church to do. It is rooted in the scripture. And when churches think we're here to police the world, they are wrong. It is not biblical. How about instead of condemning those who cross moral lines, let's offer hope for a better life. Let's reformat. How about instead of picketing abortion clinics, let's serve women with unwanted pregnancies. How about instead of criticizing anyone with a different view, let's learn to shut up, listen, and understand. 
How about instead of politicking for our candidate, implying that God's on our side, let's politic for the gospel of grace that can actually change a life. And instead of policing the world, let's get involved in social justice and do as Pastor Witty has been teaching us now for years, paradidomy, give your life away. And instead of separating from the LGBT as many churches do, let's grow in our faith together. Now I know this is real controversial, but I need to say this, just for the record. As an unapologetic follower of Christ, who believes that the Bible is the final authority on all matters of life, and as one who was not for the redefining of marriage to include same-sex partners, I do respect the laws of the land, and I will honor your personal rights to make your own choices. Now, you need to hear this. If City Church can serve you on your spiritual journey, I don't care who you are. As long as I am here, the LGBT community is welcome in this place. And I commit to do my very best to help all of us together become fully devoted followers of Christ. We may disagree on certain issues, and I promise you we will, but we can still love each other, and I promise you we will. That's all I have to say about it. The Bible never instructs the church to morally please the world. That's how we were taught growing up, but it is not biblical. Yes, there are times when God tells the nation of Israel to police the world, but Israel is not the church. It is called, the church is called to love people. That's not a liberal theology, friends. That is a biblically conservative truth of Scripture. We are called to love people, all people. When we opt to police and judge the world, we default into white Jesus thinking, and it ain't right. Jesus said, for God loved the world so much, he gave his only son so that whoever, there it is, whoever. I mean, I didn't write that. God did. Whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. The purpose of the church is to serve the whoever's. The poor, care for the sick, provide a place for people to recover from addiction and anger issues and marital mess-ups and relational blunders. And here's why. Jesus didn't just die for a select group. He died for the whoever's of the world. And we are here to serve them. And if we revert back to a white Jesus thinking and allow prejudice to creep into our faith community, we will stiff arm the very people for whom Jesus died. And we can do better than that. Jesus, <laughs> Jesus wasn't white, friends, and those of us who have prejudices, those prejudices are not right. So you know what Paul did? He called Peter a hypocrite. The word hypocrite, the Greek word hypocrite, was used in Greek theater to mean an actor. So what Peter was telling, what Paul was telling Peter, saying, Peter, you were just acting friendly toward the Gentiles. 
God loves the Gentiles, but you were just acting like you love the Gentiles. You're a hypocrite. It was just theater, Peter. It wasn't real. Prejudices make us fake. So the question is, do we really care for the whoever's of the world? We don't have to compromise anything we think or believe to extend love to a hurting world, marginalized people, shunned people. Or are we just acting and playing church? Well, around 1200 A.D., a Roman Catholic friar by the name of Francis of Assisi was riding his horse, and he came across uh, someone who had leprosy. And lepers during that time especially were considered unclean. They were contagious, and consequently they were quarantined by the church, and they were banished by society. There was a terrible prejudice against those with leprosy. And alone, those with leprosy would usually, they would die a very long, slow, and painful death. No one cared about the lepers. But on this day, however, Francis of Assisi set aside his prejudice, made himself dismount, and gave the dying leper a coin, and then he kissed his hand. He touched him. This one act challenged the status quo, angered many in the church, but set a new standard of what it means to FX, follow Christ. To this day, you Google St. Francis of Assisi, and one of the things that will come up first is that St. Francis of Assisi is known for kissing the leper. Well, on March the 13th, 2013, the Catholic Church elected a new pope, the 266th pope, and this pope chose as his papal name the name Francis. And he chose it specifically because he wanted to be named after St. Francis of Assisi. And for good reason. Since becoming Pope, Francis has brought social reform and ignited spiritual fire of renewal by caring for those no one cared about. And you've all read about it, you know about it. He may be best known for challenging traditional prejudices. Recently, he was caught on camera kissing a leper. In a speech soon thereafter, Francis repeatedly slammed the narrow and prejudiced mentality of the church. And he wasn't just talking about Catholics. He continued, and I quote, they wind up rejecting the very people they should be ministering to, which means anyone on the margins of society who encounters discrimination. He called for reform. So will City Church be known as the church willing to kiss the leper? Or like so many others, stiff-arm the very people for whom Jesus died and to do it out of prejudice? <laughs> Jesus ain't white, sorry. 
And our prejudices, if you have them, they ain't right. Let's pray. So, Father, we ask you to put your heart in ours as we serve a hurting world. And we give you thanks for that privilege. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Everyone said? So here's what we're going to do. In a moment, when we dismiss, our prayer team will be down front here and, uh, and in the video cafe. And you're welcome to come and pray with those uh, who are here to serve you in that way. Don't leave here to, uh, today. If something's going on in your heart, your mind, you just need to talk to someone, pray with someone, we can serve you uh, in that way. And you know, Lee, Lee told us earlier that we've had a number of you talk to us about, you know, you start tithing, doing the tithe first thing, not just the tithing, but the tithe first thing. The, sto the stories are amazing. I have to admit, I'm a little surprised we've gotten that many stories of how God is really blessing. So please remember to do that. We work hard as a church to take your hard-earned resources that you give here and to steward them uh, faithfully and well in ways that make you proud. And so thank you uh, for remembering to, to do that. And I will be back with you again next week. We're gonna keep going through Galatians with this Come On Men series, and we're gonna talk about the principle of the path. Decisions you make today become paths you walk tomorrow, and those paths have a predictable end every single time. Come on, man. Will I see you there? Yes. All right, thanks. <laughs>